Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week we have a super fun twofer. We're talking to Lisa Loeb and Smiley Bernard. I'll tell you more about Smiley in the second half, but I think everybody knows Lisa's story. Stay hits number one. First time that's ever happened to an unsigned artist. I wanted to play I Do instead because this is, I think, one of the great lost power pop songs, if you ask me. Anyway, Lisa is one of the best talkers. She knows how to keep a conversation going. She says fun things. She's funny. She's engaging. She's sweet. She's exactly what you think Lisa Loeb is. So we talk a lot about mostly more of the more recent music, like her last few albums, A Simple Trick to Happiness, Lullaby Girl. There is some, I was, I didn't want to dwell on Stay too much because we've all heard it, but there were a couple of questions that I had that I've never known the answers to. She also has a new radio show called Where They Are Now, and uh, she talks about that in here too. And the first half of this conversation basically is all about Bowie. Uh, David Bowie, her love for Bowie, mine, of course. Um, anyway, she's just the best to chat with. You don't have to have like an agenda. You can just count on her to keep the conversation going. We only had about 40, 45 minutes, but it works. Okay. Anyway, I love her a lot. I'm sure you do too. We, I got into a lot of interesting stuff in here that I hope you guys enjoy. I'll tell you more about Smiley in the second half. She called me from her home in LA. Okay. So, um, I think we're going to yeah, go I know it's been like two years yeah, that we've been yeah. trying to do this. And you're friends with um, Joe ben. Francis. Oh, Pat Francis, not Joe Francis. I'm friends with Maybe Pat Joe Francis. Francis well, I don't know Joe Francis. Wasn't he the Girls Gone Wild guy? I'm not definitely mm. not friends with him. Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I am friends. I think he's broke. Maybe even in jail. I don't know. Probably deserves to be. That would be a um, good person for me to talk to because I do a Where They Are Now feature on my radio show and that would be a good person to um yes. talk to actually yes write that down i want to know where joe francis is yeah. yes i'm friends with pat francis i'm also <laughs> friends with ben montgomery and you went on uh his podcast uh yeah. records revisited yeah and that's kind of what sparked this so and i wanted to kick it off with that when you went on that show where you go on and dissect an album that's a favorite of yours you picked hunky dory uh yes. by bowie and bowie is my guy too hunky dory is my third favorite bowie album and I oh, was, wait, i'm i gonna guess your other hunky your other one okay, yes, stardust no 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 uh heroes heroes the song i i, I don't know low? About you. low no i i love both those i don't love the in instrumental second sides as much yeah so they go down a little bit um scary monsters no yes that's number one uh, wow, interesting. Uh, and number two, well, it's not any of the more recent over the last. No, it'd be Station to Station is number. Oh, Station two. to Station is a great record. It's yeah. funny you're talking about this because recently a friend of mine who's a journalist named Dave Shank, David mm -hmm. Shank, um, he put together a group of gosh, is it fifteen or twenty people? He texted saying we're going to listen to twenty-eight Bowie albums, all of his albums, each one mm -hmm. a day, every day. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, each day we're going to choose a new album and that's what we're going to listen to. And so I was like, I don't have time to do this. I thought it was also going to be a conversation. They're very intellectual crowd of and, and very creative and artistic as well. But a bunch of friends from, from college, he even had a friend of his from like kindergarten. But anyway, 
every day they've been listening to an album and I thought it would be on Zoom. It's actually just that he texts out everybody. Okay. Here's the here's the link if you don't already uh -huh. have it. Here's the next album. Here's some thoughts about it. And then everyone listens and throughout the day they chime in. So I was like, I don't have time for this. But then um, it turns out the driving in Los Angeles that I have to do is very conducive to listening to a 28 to 42 <laughs> minute whatever album every day. Yeah. And I've got to say some of the listening to some of the records was it's a little bit of a hard work, you know, like, yeah. I guess I had already been through that for most of them growing up, you know, and listening mm -hmm. on my own and then picking my favorites. Mm -hmm. But there's definitely I, I find it's hard for me to listen to. I, I want people to do their work. And I want them to go through creative process. But I don't always want to hear their creative process, which is totally rude of me. Really? But like, you know, some of the songs I listen to, I love Hunky Dory and I love Ziggy Stardust yeah. and I'm really fascinated with the fact that he kind of made those two records at the same time. Yeah. Um, I love though the Eno and the Fripp and the, Yeah. I love all of that, but sometimes I don't necessarily need to enjoy listening to his, some experimentation. So t tell me which one you have a problem with. Tell I don't me know, what like, you I was didn't listening enjoy to, as much. Like I listened to like pinups and, uh, and it's funny because some of the songs that I still liked when I was a kid, I still like, and the ones I don't like as much, I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, that's why I listened to changes one and two, which is kind of a cop out. But at the same time, those are some of the great songs mm -hmm. from some of those albums that you want to listen to a lot. Not like you're reading a short story, but like something you would put, mm -hmm. put on. Like I like fashion. I like fame. Mm -hmm. I like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of the hit songs, I have to say, I like those, um, you know, and every once in a while I'll get to a song like Warsawa where I'm like, oh yeah, I remember listening to this when I was a teenager, yeah. but it doesn't mean that I'm going to go listen to it a bunch again. Right. Right. Now. right. Some of it's That's the what, experience. It's, it's, totally agree. That's why the, I mean, if Low and Heroes had been a full album of whatever was on side one, right. it would be transformational. But when it gets into the, I just feel like those are kind of cop-outs. Comparatively, they're so boring, those kind of right. uh, instrumental, you know, Eno-y things. It's like the process, and I love listening to Brian Eno. Me too, me too, but I, didn't, I don't want a Bowie album full of Eno songs. Right, but I do like the influence, but I, 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 it's like I listened to it once and I was like, okay, I, this may be the last time I'm listening to some of those songs. Because mm. I do love, like you said, Station to Station, Golden Years, uh, mm. TVC15. Yeah. I think I like it. I can't, I don't, I don't know if I like TVC15 and Stay and Wild is the Wind because I liked them when I first heard them mm. or because I truly like them. I mean, I feel like some of the out, some of the earlier albums, I like the songs better. I don't know, but I will say I also like Let's Dance, but you can't take it at face value. It's like a meta meta, like a yeah. take on a popular song. Very true. Do you dislike or did you check out with him in the 80s like everyone else did? Because I'm of the age where that's when I got to know David Bowie and then went Me backwards. Yeah, so I too. love all that stuff. Loving the Alien and Blue Jean and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I love those albums. I know I they're love that less. Album. Oh, really? I because know that, they're lesser. I, was already I know people in, don't like yeah. it, but I love it. Well, that's the other thing, too. I'm always curious, like, do I like these other albums because I heard them mm -hmm. first? Because I heard Ziggy Stardust because everybody knows Ziggy Stardust and you got to learn it on guitar. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. when I learned it. And then I got the record. And then that led me to to Hunky Dory. And and then I love Bowie. And then I see him live during the Let's Dance tour. And then I when, when Tonight came out, or not Tonight, it was the record before that. Um, it was Let's it was, Dance. Let's Dance, out. Okay, tonight, so tonight. And then I bought, Never Let Me Down. Yeah, so I bought the tonight album on cassette and on vinyl this at the same day so i could listen to it on the way home so i was so excited about it but i was like eh. yeah yeah 
And, uh. and then I sort of was into some of his later, later, later stuff because I got to meet him when he was doing something in the 90s. Mm. And it was amazing. And I think he was working with Steve Lillywhite, but you can't find it anywhere oh. on the internet. But he was, I think Steve Lillywhite was supposed to be mixing that record uh, in the mid 90s where he's got the Union Jack on his back. Um, yeah. Um, Earthling. Little Wonder, a little one. I feel yes. like we went in there and he was mixing Little Wonder, but. Steve Lillywhite didn't mix that record. I need to find out what happened with that record. Why, why I, was he in the studio with Steve Lillywhite? This is crazy. I will. I just had Steve on here recently. I will text Steve when we get off and Tell say, him you were Lisa, talking to me. I will. And I remember meeting him in 1997 or eight. I was in England for the Brit Awards. I won a Brit Award and we met George Martin and George Martin invited us back to his studio oh my um, the next day and he secretly told me he wasn't supposed to tell us but David Bowie was working in the studio and I was just like flabbergasted to be meeting George Martin, my, yeah. my co-producer and boy boyfriend at the time. We were just, I mean, head over heels. Couldn't believe yeah. we were talking to George Martin and then to find out he was working with Bowie was just this crazy double whammy. So we went there and we totally fangirl, fanboyed hung around the studio. When we walked in, Steve Lillywhite was working. It was Steve Lillywhite. We didn't know it was his back. And we were like, uh -huh. oh God, we walk in Steve Lillywhite, which we were also really excited about. Uh -huh. huge yes. fans of his work. Me too. Um, but then finally we sort of ate lunch and hung around and took a long tour. And finally Bowie showed up. So we went back in and visited for a few minutes, but I didn't get to ask him any of the questions about the Bewley brothers or any of the things I really wanted to know, but we chatted. Okay, so it's. But ask Steve gonna, Lily White what was going on then. I will. He may have been going him. through a a period of of substance issues or something maybe. of the like, maybe. and yes. it may just not have worked out. I just don't know. Okay, I will text him as soon as we hang up. I was going to ask you what your favorite song off Hunky Dory was. What uh, you would have given the top a one to on the podcast or eleven. Whatever, no, the reverse. Anyway, was it Life on Mars? Because my favorite song is Bule Brothers. I love the Bule Brothers. Yeah. That's what my friends always used to give me such a hard time about it. Because um, I'd always be, oh, listen, you know, I'd like uh -huh. freak out and like, you got to hear this song. And um, I went to an all girls school. So it was just unusual to be like geeking out about records. There are a couple of right. people like that. And my friends and I loved music and we would go interview bands, but they would always joke around about me and my PV amp and my Bewley brothers, and my Stratocaster, but the Bewley brothers, I think it just feels yeah. so nostalgic yeah. and mysterious and the guitar at the beginning. Totally agree. But then it's hard because then I go back and listen. Um, I'm looking now, wait, hunky dory. And then I was thinking Hunky Dory was my favorite album, but then I go back and listen to Ziggy Stardust and I'm like, oh, geez. I know. It's hard because Changes um, stands out so much because I think I did probably listen to Changes 1 mm. a lot also. So it, it mm. sort of doesn't fit on the album for me. Yeah, you know I can see does. that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Life on Mars is amazing. I know. Andy uh, Warhol. Andy Warhol. Little bit, uh, Queen Bitch. Up. I love Queen yeah. Bitch. Queen Bitch is totally that killer song. Yes. Oh my gosh, I never thought of that before. And he's phoning a cab and the yeah, yes. the but I, I also love Ziggy Stardust. And I feel like an idiot because I have a cousin who married a guy in a rock band. That's what you know, the word on the street was I had a cousin who married a guy in a rock band, a British rock band. And I didn't realize the cousin who had married the guy in the rock band until um until after he just had passed, Ooh. Uh, it was, um, and my brain is now, uh, hold on. That's okay. We'll tighten it up. Uh, no worries. I'll tell you, my brain has a problem with names. Um, as you can tell by my 
Joe Francis moment. Trevor Boulder, who was oh, in the band. Yeah, the he was, he was player from the Spiders. He was married to my cousin, and I never spoke to him. What? I feel like the biggest idiot. I was the hugest fan for years and years and years and years and years while he was still living, and I didn't no. put two and two together, and I didn't. I had no idea. I don't know how that slipped my, my little brain. Wow. Because, you know, this was the era of sitting and, and reading the liner notes. and You had access to Trevor Boulder all that time? Oh my God! That would be that would be a good use of a time machine. Yes, it would. It There's would. a lot of things that are not good uses of time machine, like oh, I don't know where I left my keys, or right. why did I take that turn in that way and hit that parked car? But that would have been a good time machine. Yes, yes. Okay, tell me. Ooh, I didn't which even reminds know me, I wonder Ooh. if I could find other people through his wife. I should ask her if if I should I should really make a point of um. Woody Woodman's he's still out there. Yeah. He's an anti-vaxxer, so I don't, I don't oh, know okay. that. Yeah. Anyway, is it anti-vaxxer or anti? You're forced to have vaccination. Yeah, good point. I don't know. There's a I, sort of slight difference. Yeah, I, my feeling is that either is motivated by political beliefs that don't jive with my own. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I I know he couldn't go on a Bowie tribute tour because he refused to get vaccinated. I believe uh, it's unfortunate. Okay. Um, Anyway, I was I was going to ask you. I didn't even know this existed until getting ready to talk to you. Your all the young dudes uh, yes. cover. What? Where? That what was, was the context for that? Well, Billy rapped all night about a suicide. How he kick it in the head when he was twenty-five. Don't want to stay alive when you're twenty-five. And Wendy's stealing clothes from unlocked cars And Freddy's got spots from ripping off the stars From his face Funky little boat race Television man is crazy saying We're juvenile delinquent wrecks Oh man, I need TV when I've got T-Rex Um, actually the folks from the Howard Stern show, oh. they do, they've put together some albums. I don't know if this was one of the first like cover albums where they asked different artists to participate. And I heard through the grapevine and I, either they knew I was a huge Bowie fan and, or I was in touch with them because I'd been on the show and, uh, the after show. And so they asked, you know, what do I want to do a song? And of course I did. It was such a great opportunity to to be able to go into the studio and there were so many songs i would have covered including beauty brothers i feel like they may have had a list of preferred songs mm. so i snatched that one up because i love mm. that song yeah and um okay i, I just love that song so much so uh, it's on i some love, listen, I love 
So it's out there. It's on a Howard Stern compilation, but you can also just hear it on Spotify. And yeah, it's that's where exclusive. I found it. Okay. Okay. Uh, I love it. Yeah. I love doing that cover. And I was working with my friend, Rich Jacks, that I've worked with a lot. And he's got a really good feeling for really sort of melancholy, but full of energy at the same time mm-hmm, type mm-hmm. of recordings. And we mind melded and, and figured out a way to kind of respect the original build and intention of the song um, and some of the arrangement of the original song and some of the melodies and, and everything. But we sort of did it our own way also. I love it. And did he work with you on Lullaby Girl? Because mm-hmm. that- We did Lullaby Girl together. We did an album that I got a Grammy for called Feel What You Feel. Mm-hmm. We did my Nursery Rhyme Parade album. We did my most recent record, A Simple Trick to Happiness. We've done a lot of things. We did I thought so. music for a TV show, an animated show called If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. We did all the music for that, all the songs for that. Mm-hmm. We've done a lot of one-off. Um, we wrote a theme song for a William Patterson book. Really? It's out there. Um, just we've done a lot of things together. I, I really like collaborating with him. But sorry, I, yes, he, we did Lullaby Girl with my friend Larry Goldings, who's a great um, keyboard player, organ player, and also is you know was part of the producing team. On okay, that. it's interesting. Um, I'm connecting dots. I wasn't aware that you worked with the same people on all of these, but I assumed you did because it feels like your work the last few years since collaborating with them have become a little bit. I don't know if orchestrated is the right word. Something a, something a little grander, maybe, in sound. You know, but I think Lullaby Girl is one of my favorite albums of yours. If you wake up and don't want to smile If it takes just a little while Open your eyes and look at the day It's weird that you say orchestrated because in a way, it may be more the arrangement rather than That's the orchestration. That's probably Because my early records, I literally had orchestras and I had so yes. many layers of guitars and vocals mm-hmm. and and sort of we, we found, we would start with the live band sound because at the time, I, th- I thought there was something noble about having it sort of represent the real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then little by little, we tried to take more and more and more advantage of the studio. Mm-hmm. And then I was working with Dweezil Zappa on a couple of things. And we did um, a little more layering, but definitely more guitar. I love guitar playing, mm-hmm. so that was great. Mm-hmm. And and a little more rock. He was willing to let it go in a little bit more rock direction. I did a record with my friend um, Chad Gilbert from the band Newfound Glory, and that's like mm-hmm. a poppy punky band. And we yeah. did really um, were able to really sink our teeth into this rock sound. Is that the No that. Fairy Tale album? 
Yeah, I love that album. love that so much. Me too. And then I started working with Rich and we kind of started simplifying more yes. and leaving more space. And That's in fact, it. some of our songwriting was around putting down a basic loop or a track. And and I and and at the same time, the lyrics, especially the more I collaborated, the more direct and more um easy to understand on first listen, mm -hmm. um, the more cohesive I feel like the lyrics are, but hopefully not in a simple, dumbed down way, just a little bit more cohesive. Because I grew up with all the Bowie where I'm like, yeah. I don't know what he's talking about. It's amazing. <laughs> and that is really neat. And it is important to be able to go there. But I also really started admiring some classic singer-songwriters yeah. like Lyle Lovett. Yes. Jones. Oh, he's so. You good. know all these people who are great uh -huh. storytellers that you you listen to that and and it's like you've read a really well written short story and and they say something you understand right off. Yeah. And with all the live shows I do, that's a nice element to be able to play a song that means something. Yeah. Just on first listen, even. So that's become okay. a little bit more of a a goal for me. And with collaboration, you have to do that because you're you're talking with other people about what you're writing. So you all have to build the same house. It's not yes. like when you're building something by yourself and it can be some crazy imaginary thing mm -hmm. that no one could ever live in. So I I like that collaboration. And then you take a song, an album like Lullaby Girl, and that was mostly live. We went really? into the studio, and and then you get that's where Larry came in really great too because he's a real guy who's used to playing in jazz quartets and in jazz trios and mm -hmm. you arrange the song to live on its own yeah and then you with the musicians who are there maybe there's a couple of fixes or a little layer here or there maybe some harmonies but it 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 the structure works on its own so you yeah. get this open area where you can just listen That's <laughs> and, it, it. and there's like an energy and yes. that happened with rich a lot too or with the vocals some of my favorite songs that I'm proud of from my songs in the past. I have a song called Every Day.
yeah. song. What am I supposed to say? I worked on that with um, with uh, um, oh my gosh, my brain again. Uh, Randy Scruggs, and oh, I was sure. able to basically, and also with um, I love my band Nine Stories, but on some of these albums we worked with like my drummer for my band ronnie crawford and then lee sklar who's an amazing bass player he's been on here i love lee yeah and you know lee and he's like a great studio musician and the reason he's a great studio musician is not because he sounds like he's it's a canned performance it's because Mm -hmm. he can hear a thing understand what it is and then one or two takes Mm -hmm. get it perfectly and it's done and it has the perfect feel so the more live the tracks are i feel like that translates to the audience And, I, so and those are some of my favorites. And so I try to set up situations where you're, that's what you're capturing. Yes. Even if you have to go in and do a lot of vocal takes, you, you start fresh and you try to do it as real as possible. Yes. Um, that's better said than I did. I wanted to ask you specifically about a couple of songs that I really love, especially on the, on the happiness album. Uh, Skeleton might be my favorite Lisa Loeb album overall or song overall. Oh, and wow, I'm curious what the story of that is. If I'm gonna be honest, you're not the one to tell. Put it in my pocket, I'll keep it to myself. I wish you cared, at least you played it well. You got me. In all the silence, I tend to make things up. You think I'm static, you think I think too much. You keep your distance. Just enough, you got me. If we meet as friends again, can we pretend we were something then? Tell your new friends where we've been, that we're not just skeleton. You know, I should have played that last night. I played a concert last night and it was so hard. I was playing 11 songs. I'm like, <laughs> what 11 songs am I going to play? How am I going to do that? And I wanted to play some new songs. And I decided to go with some that meant the most to me at last night. And then uh-huh. also ones that I could definitely get through without without fruffing it up. Uh-huh. Um, Skeleton, I could have played. Skeleton, I wrote it with a couple of, you know, with Rich and another um, friend, Scott. And... Um, I, I, all the songs on the Simple Trick to Happiness album, I, again, I was really, really trying to tap into where I was at that moment because I know from, I know there was some validity to just being where I am because yeah. every, I'm around a lot of parents. I've got two kids at two separate schools. They've got activities. And whenever you hang out with parents afterward, have conversations with people, those real conversations about what we're really going through, mm-hmm. there's just this spark of connection and, and it's really important to me. I say things that other parents are like, oh my God, I never thought of that. Wow, you know what? Interesting perspective. And other parents say to me stuff that I'm like, oh my God, I never thought about that. So I wanted to have that kind of in the album. I wanted things to be things you could take with you throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like you take the energy of, of uh, the song Walking on Sunshine. That's a very popular yes. song. But when you hear it, you're like, you can't help but be bubbly. Of course. Yeah. Um, my songs aren't necessarily bubbly, but I wanted those kind of the, the presence in there because yeah. i also know i've heard lots of many musicians who get to many many albums later past their biggest radio hits and you uh-huh. 
it's just hard to connect with what they're doing or saying for okay. some reason. Mm -hmm. The ones I connect with the most are the ones who really continue to connect with where they are, like yeah. Demi Man, yes. or I feel like um, different artists sort of come in and out of being able to do that. And I was like, I gotta stay with it. So anyway, that, that was one of those kind of songs, like finding what's important to mm -hmm. me or to us in the moment. And that was, um, it was it, it was actually based in a, a true relationship with somebody who was a true friend and just that feeling of, wow, I wonder if they, like almost the embarrassment of, of thinking that a relationship was so important to you and the mm -hmm. other person, mm -hmm. you wonder if they even cared about it at all. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean. Oh, That's so interesting. Devastating. Yes. Do yes. you hear it as that? I don't know. I, I hadn't thought of it like that before. I'm not as, I will admit, I'm kind of dumb. I'm not as big of a lyric person. I tend to go for the, yeah. the first few times I listen, first several times I listen to something, it's all about the mood and kind of the vibe and stuff. And then it's later when I get really deep into a song. And um, I guess I just hadn't thought of it. One thing, I'm the same of, though. I listen to music. Really? I, did, I did two covers with my friend, Steven Gl Kramer Glickman last night. Uh -huh. and, and one of the, the song, we did the song one by you two. And I kind of knew some, I knew, I kind of knew some of the words. I definitely knew uh -huh. the meaning. I had played through it before. And uh -huh. if I didn't know the specific lyrics, I really knew what I felt and I know what it's about. And it sounds like what it's about. Um, the other song we did was Take On Me by AHA. Really? We did, the, yeah. we did it, the Deadpool version, which is the much more like languorous, <laughs> right. melancholy version. I had no idea what most of the lyrics were. I've heard that I song, seven kajillion songs. I sometimes hear it more than one time a day when I'm at the radio on. I had no idea what the lyrics were. I don't listen to lyrics at all. I know. You know, I, know. I listen to melodies and then I hear certain phrases yes. um, that stick out to me and, and that's about it. So it's funny that when I'm writing music, it's so important to me. And yet often I, I to also sometimes totally sure. tune out when I'm listening. Sure. So yeah, and also I, the feel of this, I wanted the feel of longing in the in the song skeleton and it, and i kind of compared it to when we did take as a a real reference and inspiration the song by gautier um oh yeah you know, someone that i used to know or whatever yeah. yeah and the the tempo may even be the same but that song someone that i used to know it has a similar uh-huh theme it's yes, like just this point. devastation like you gave me all my records back and you changed yeah. your number like yes. what the hell like oh God, like, yeah, I know we, we weren't supposed to be together anymore, but you uh -huh. did what? Like, uh, uh, it makes you feel so terrible. <laughs> and I wanted true. a song that, like, that wallowed in that terribleness and, the, and that longing. So we wrote the song Skeleton. Fascinating. And I ended up getting to make a video for it in, in Japan, which was really special. Oh, also. really? I don't think I've seen it. If you look it, on YouTube, okay. I've got, like, almost every song now that I make over the last 10 years, they all have videos. Oh, fun. Uh, okay. Since since I started working with Rich and since I started putting out records with Amazon, we have um, the last four... Yeah, the last four albums that I have every song. Like every song has a video? Song um, has another video. song on happiness that I wanted to ask you about was I Want to Go First. by a train it might sound extreme but it's really quite sane if i suffocate slowly don't call the nurse because living without you is definitely worse Living without you is not living at all. 
You ask, so I'll tell you the thoughts in my head. Just promise you'll stay despite what I've said. Living without you is not living at all. And the reason I'm saying this is because, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like your voice hits a high note in that song that you've never had to hit in any other song before. I think I do. I think I sing really high on it. Yeah. Your voice goes maybe up not. to this. I'm trying, when I heard that, I was trying to, I was trying to think, I can't think of another song where she hits this note and maybe I'm wrong. I'm thinking of it in my head. You know what I'm referring to? Oh, yeah. You're- I can. Yeah. Uh-huh. I go, I go high and I don't do it in a belty way. No, I'm not always, at all. I'm always working with vocal coaches too. I like trying to always expand like my guitar playing, my voice, my uh-huh. vocal range, all that. Well, it worked. That's what that that song really took me back when I listened to it because I thought I don't recall Lisa ever hitting that note before. And it doesn't feel <laughs> strained and it doesn't feel like a Mariah Carey thing. It feels right. like it was there all along. She just didn't know to go there or yeah. wasn't provoked to go there or whatever, but she did. Yeah, no, when I was growing up, I took voice. I, I was always like a singer. I was more of a dancer and then okay. more of an actor. I like to sing. I was in some musical theater and stuff, but I took voice lessons in high school. And my teacher would always just say, oh, maybe we should have hot chocolate today. Your voice sounds a little, you know, I didn't have that high uh-huh. opera thing happening. Yeah. And I didn't know how to deal with the break in your voice. This is like a break. Uh-huh. And so I just kind of was shy and I was the harmony singer always. And maybe I did a few songs. I did rock and roll suicide uh, in my ooh, high school. Um, I love that song. I did that song in my high school assembly and I'd sing harmony with one of my best friends. Um, and I sang sort of more of the harmony voice all through college in my band. Uh, and then a couple of years after college, I became the lead singer. But I realized as I've gotten older and less, um, just, you know, you, you just get less bashful. You're, you're that you're the embarrassing grown up who asks questions and who tries things. And right. I take tap classes with a bunch of 30 year olds. And um, it, it, it's just, uh, I, so I, I started ex- trying to experiment more with things that are not comfortable and try to make them more Smart. comfortable. And, and, if, and if the teacher that I'm working with doesn't help me get there, maybe there's another teacher who's got mm-hmm. some ideas. And so we just got it there. And that That's song great. is a, another song. That that song was written a little bit before some of the other songs, and it was um, it started off being a really folky kind of song mm. with a list of all these ways that you were going to die first. Yeah. And then after we did that, when we were making the record, we really I just we just really wanted it on the record, and we were able to open it up kind of like the, all the young dudes record, mm-hmm. where we changed the the subdivision of the of the rhythm, mm-hmm. and it became this very vast open soaring song that actually felt more in touch with the topic of the song than yeah than um than what it was originally that would have been just another folky song Mm -hmm. uh it's interesting you mentioned folky because um when you listen to the interview portion of the green of the purple tape that's out there um you make it very you're very defiant about not wanting to be pigeonholed as a folky I want yes. to be a singer song. And I was thinking there needs to be an easier word for singer songwriter. Like, what are they? They're well, something but between a folky and a singer songwriter. I don't know because, you know, I used to have to say I'm a singer songwriter with a band. Sometimes yeah. I play rock music, like really rock music. Sometimes I do orchestral stuff. Sometimes it might be more country. Sometimes it's more pared down. You know, so it, it really varies. Sometimes it's more jazzy. It just depends on what yeah. I'm doing. My, my songs take on the production and the feeling of the song but that being said um it, when i first started off i definitely didn't want to be seen as a folky because i thought it belittled mm-hmm. what i was trying to do i was like an elvis costello or any other mm-hmm. person who had different 
types right. of sounds around me and you know yeah. sometimes it was more rock or whatever but um it's funny now that i've been doing i do lots and lots of concerts with just me with a guitar and i love telling stories and talking and um interacting with the audience and even playing some of my children's music at my grown-up shows and i realized you know what my dad used to give me a hard time he's like what do you want to be an entertainer i'm like no i'm a musician i'm a guitar player i'm a songwriter and i'm like you know what i am an entertainer that's really fun to be an entertainer it's fun to like yeah. f make up funny stuff and have the audience yeah. laughing and crying and singing along i mean we yeah. went we did all those things last night at the show literally there was crying there was singing along there was laughing um and and i realized i am a folk artist that's what folk artists do they, mm. they tell stories they write songs mm. and you know what i i think also it was the early late 80s early 90s and if you were a girl with a guitar you were really pigeonholed and it and it lowered your opportunities and it mm. and it didn't help anything and and luckily i think a really big deal was actually sarah mclaughlin having yes. lilith fair and making it clear that women are not this subgenre <laughs> they're just yep. people who also play music and there's a lot yeah. there and um it was continuing to expand and include more and more and more people from different genres and definitely uh you know i think it would have continued from there if it continued on but um mm -hmm. it, it really it, it was belittling you know uh i remember meeting steve miller uh you know steve miller steve miller mm -hmm. um and he's like oh acoustic guitar girl with a guitar you know like mm -hmm. good luck um and within a few months, I had a hit number one song. <laughs> but again, again, maybe that was like very unique at the time. And that helped me yeah. at that point, be, sounding like it was me with a guitar um, and almost like a folk thing compared to some of the other stuff out there. It actually was a full band. But, um, you know, uh, I, I, it, it's hard when genres um, belittle you, you know, yeah, instead yes. of let, help letting you and, and it keeps you from people wanting to listen to you because they don't know what it is. Yeah, um, true. And, and women, you're, you're, you know, like I see Colin Hay. I love Colin. He's a great oh, he's mentor so great. and a great, um, a great. Uh, I think he's he's such a great storyteller. I love seeing him with a guitar. Mm -hmm. um, and he he was a pops. He's you know he still sings pop music, but and he did have big hits in the eighties. But he's also like a sing, singer songwriter. Yeah, yeah. But to me, it's it's not. Like oh god, it's singer songwriter. It's it's like no. oh this will be interesting. I want to get pulled into his stories and his songs. exactly exactly. So, okay, I but, have, but I'm not I, trying to get on the radio anymore. I mean, it'd be great no, to be on the radio. Don't get course. me wrong, but it's not like I'm not in that world of having to fit in a genre. No, nobody is really as much anymore because everything's broken down. And you, the way we get music keeps us from needing to be in a genre. And and you know, I, I think it opens it up for musicians. So. Well, and that's, I have a lot of questions about that, especially relating to you, because it feels like you've done a little bit of so many different things, the, your own music, the children's music, the acting, the soundtracking, the TV shows. Yeah. I used to watch you and Dweezil's cooking show. Oh yeah. That was number so one fun. single and stuff like that. And so, yeah. um, do you, okay. This, I hope this question doesn't sound insensitive to you or to anyone who <laughs> is a fan of yours. I just am curious when, when I see artists doing children's music, like yeah. Kenny Loggins, or uh, I had Chris Ballou from the Presidency of the United oh, States of America great. on here, Casper yeah, Baby Pants. Amazing. Yeah. I wonder sometimes if they do that as like a life preserver in a way. Um, like my it regular is a life career preserver. is not happening it's as much, so let's go yeah. this route. 
It's funny. It's actually the other, it's, it is a life preserver. Okay. Um, being able to do things that you love is a life preserver. So True. if I always like right now, I'm working on a record of all of these songs my dad used to play for me when I was growing up nice. that reminded me of kids music. They're standards, most of them. And my friends and I, there's a band I always wanted to work with in LA who does like old timey kind of almost country sounding music. And they're very funny and they are a family friendly kids band, Okay. but they're a great band and they've got all the instruments and they play together yeah. well live. And we're making a record right now. So if I can continue to keep following my passion, yeah. if it means making holiday records, which a lot of people do, if it means making children's music, I love doing musical theater. I always did musical theater. I, I wrote a musical during COVID uh -huh. um, with a bunch of friends of mine um, that was a Zoom musical. Oh, wow. I've written a musical that was an off-Broadway musical in New York. It was a family-friendly musical about summer camp. So any to, to be able to follow what I love doing, mm -hmm is a life preserver. Okay. I don't do it because it's going to be a life preserver. Like I have yeah. so many things that I would like to do and even other jobs I probably could do that would make a pretty good living that have nothing to do with music. Uh -huh. But um, these are things that, that make, keep it interesting for me. And yeah. then it's okay. cool because then other people are like, Oh my God, I love that thing that you did. And you're yeah. like, that's so nice. Like when you get to do something that you love and you have people on the other end of it, receiving it and, and yeah. enjoying it. And I do have to say, and I've talked to Chris about this too, because we worked together on something or maybe, what, what was I talking to Chris? I think I interviewed, oh no, we did an interview together online. Okay. Actually, if you look on YouTube, um, we were interviewed, Chris and I were interviewed in the same interview. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And so we were talking about being a musician in the nineties and being in a pop band and then, you know, making kids music. Mm -hmm. um, for, for people who write songs especially when they're somewhat influenced by your own personal experience. Um, it, writing in the kids' music world, writing in the musical theater world, it, you know, if you want to put them into genres, it just expands everything. All of a sudden, you, you're not only can you write about anything, you're encouraged to write about anything. And it can be funny and silly. Like, I love It's Raining Tacos. Like, I keep meaning to work with Perry Grip, who wrote It's Raining Tacos. Like, I love silly, funny songs. I loved Weird Al growing up and Mad yeah. Magazine and Steve Martin. And yeah. and there's so many things I loved. I've always loved humor and music. I like Shel Silverstein poems. Yes. Um, you know, there's just so many things. And so it, it just really opens things up. You're not, mm -hmm. you don't feel stuck in a box. Mm -hmm. And then you end up bringing your experience in those other kind of genres or fields mm -hmm. back to what kind of feels like regular grown up music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it just opens everything up. It's just a really great creative place to be. That's so good. it is a life preserver in that if you get bored of writing another love song, Mm -hmm. There's so many other kinds of songs to write, whether you're yeah. writing, you know, because somebody asked you to write for a TV show and all of a sudden you're writing about a department store mm -hmm. or somebody else's feelings or somebody else's story, mm -hmm. or um, you just realize there are so many fewer boundaries, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's good. Okay, I have one stay for you, question for you. I know you've talked about stay a billion oh, times. Yeah. I'm not going to make you do it again.
my question what is when that song was select when you were a, a singer songwriter playing around gigging around new york city yeah. was that the obvious hit even then was that the song you were closing out your shows with or was it sort of a uh. surprise that that's the song that got selected <laughs> When I would play in New York City in the, the couple of years I was there right after college and Stay was one of the songs I wrote. I remember I played at um, Tatum O'Neill's birthday party, a small gathering she had really? in her apartment. And she was wanted John to McEnroe make- there? Were they still no, married that, at the time? Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a tough time. But she had asked specifically for me to play that song. Mm. Um, Ethan Hawke asked me specifically for that song. He'd come see me play. We were friends and mm-hmm. he'd come see me play all the time. And he specifically wanted to hear that that song to give to Ben Stiller. And we gave him a few other songs. There were other songs that felt like hits. Like there was a song, Do You Sleep, that I wrote in college that people loved. And it ended up being a top 40 hit as well after Stay. And it was so funny because I would get journalists were like, her songwriter, her songwriting has developed so much, but it was actually <laughs> written years before Stay. Um, so there were a, a number of songs that people would request. It, it was it was cool because in college and then right after, because I had such a great, I had such a great following in college with my friend Liz. Mm-hmm. We had a band called Liz and Lisa, and it felt like we were already making it. You know, we'd have packed, sold out crowds, and people mm-hmm. would write fan mail, and they had requests, and they knew the words, and they had, oh. They knew the words and they had the, they had the cassette tapes and um, so it was really exciting. So so there were standout songs. Mm-hmm. Stay was one of the ones that people really enjoyed. Okay, but it wasn't clearly like, you know, one that you feel like is a big sing along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got such mm-hmm. a weird structure and it's and, yeah. and everything. But for some reason, it really connected. And then I think everything connected to it. You know, the fact that it was so popular, it it made it popular mm-hmm. when you hear things on the radio a lot they feel more popular and more yeah. familiar also ethan made a beautiful video for the yeah. for the song with um uh the it was the single shot and the, the single shot and the, uh, tom richmond was the mm. dp he had made a midnight clear which was this beautiful movie that ethan was oh. in and ethan got him to do the um cinematography so it mm. looked really unique and it really was easy to connect to the message of the song yeah. and to the story and i think that definitely helped as well and then people mm-hmm. were allowed to really sink into it and listen to it mm-hmm. and i think you know when songs are popular it gives people more of a chance to <laughs> to familiarize yeah. themselves of with course. it there's yeah. so many songs like i didn't know 
I, I, it, when I was on Lilith Fair or other uh, festivals, when I was able to see bands play, there were so many songs like Joan Osborne. Mm. I had no idea what she did until I really saw her or mm-hmm. Paula Cole. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't know them. I didn't know them as album artists. I knew them as, yeah. as singles. But then mm-hmm. when I saw them play, it was like this whole other thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, luckily their okay. singles were also good. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just always wondered that about that particular song. If that was the clear standout, is that how you would have closed out a show back before in the earlier days? Um, I wanted to ask you about your radio show. You're on Sirius. I don't have Sirius, so I don't know a lot about this. But you're on radio. Yeah. You're on Sirius radio like three times a day or something with your yeah. radio show. I have a daily show on Sirius XM 90s on 9. It's called Stay with Lisa Loeb, which again, like normally I, I would say, wait, but I've got all 16 or 17 other albums. Um, but you know what? That's that's one of the main songs people know. And I've, I'm again, over the last 10 or 20 years, I'm like, you know what? I'll embrace it. If that's a song people know and they recognize me for that. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, I have a healthy relationship with it. So anyway, I, I, I talk about all totally different kinds of random stuff. Mm-hmm. I have a feature called Where They Are Now, where I interview yeah. artists that you may know, especially right now we're doing it from the 90s because that's my main station. I hope to grow it to other era stations and other uh, other genre stations um, because right now I'm on the one that plays the 90s. So I, I interview people like Art Alexakis from Everclear, He's Paul Abdul, yeah. uh, Melissa Joan Hart, the actor, um, Sporty Spice, all these different people you may know from a certain era, but they're still doing really interesting things today. Like they're still putting out records, touring, mm-hmm. Vonda Shepard. You know, it's great to catch yeah. up with them. And so it's really fun for me as a musician to say hello. Some of these folks I already know. Some of them I know a little bit already. Some of them I've never met. And now we're new new friends. That's great. And um, so I do the show daily. Uh, and it's it's just a really fun way to connect with people yeah. and tell stories. You know, really everything keeps coming back to following things that I love. I was a DJ in high school mm-hmm. for a couple of years and a program director at the FM radio station we had. So I've, I've always been really interested in music and talking about music and talking to musicians and mm-hmm. the behind the scenes. Um, it's just something I love to do. Oh, it's just something I love to do. So, uh, okay. so it, it all fits together and they've had I me doing it. specials on Sirius XM for years, uh-huh. whether it's on the children's station or nineties on nine or other, other areas, Thanksgiving yeah. specials and things. I love it. Um, and I love that you call it where they are now instead yes. of where are they now? Because that to me feels different. That feels like where they are in their life exactly. as opposed to well, where they are in their com- career. I'm glad you get that because early, like years ago before I put out, I, th- I think it was one of my children's records, maybe one of my children's records that came with a book or maybe no fairy tale. I don't know which record it was, but mm. I got a call from the Oprah Winfrey folks that they wanted to interview me for one of their channels for uh, for o- one of their shows for Oxygen. Mm-hmm. I was like, great, Oprah Winfrey. I love Oprah. She is like the queen of telling stories and hearing stories, and that's totally. my thing. Totally. And I was on the show with a, a celebrity chef, like who is a celebrity because people love his restaurants, and I think maybe another actor. And they were talking about their their current projects, and then it turned out the show was called Where Are They Now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it should mm-hmm. be where they are now because mm-hmm. no, nobody ever stopped doing anything. It's not like they're in the Spinal Tap where they are now files, yeah. um, which Spinal Tap wasn't in that either. But, you know, they're listening to their sure. old song on the radio and they're like, are they, yeah. where are they now? Are they alive? Like, they're in the from the where are they now files. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's so demeaning. So I just thought it's so much more supportive to shine the light on what people are doing today. And also, yeah, recognizing you may know someone from a certain era or a yeah. certain thing may stand out to you most about their career. Yet, you know, 
in a in a considerate, respectful way, there's a lot more going on with a lot of these folks, and they've got a lot to share. Mm-hmm. And um, and and it's something like on one of the era channels, like '90s on Nine, people are there because they love those people and they love those artists, and they totally true. And even on those, and and what we get to do on the on the the radio is uh Sirius XM is play like if they have a new album or a re-release mm-hmm. we will play at least one of their songs their newer Good. songs so people can hear it um you we can't put the music on the app but on the app the SXM app people can hear the extended interview so they Good. get a shorter piece uh live and then a a, a extended interview Good. there's not enough avenues for legacy artists like you guys to get their new music heard exactly. it drives me crazy right to actually get them heard too because knowing yes. them out and hearing them is a different thing and i've been that through i guess that's also my own experience i've been through it so many times and i'm like you know i, I played a concert last night and some people a lot of the people there actually were really big fans of all the music so they were singing yeah. along but some people they really do know a song or something uh-huh. and n- inevitably half the people you know half to a two-thirds of the people are there to see me because they're fans the other people are there because they're with the person who's a fan and yeah. those people afterward i hear all the time like oh my god i didn't know what you did i didn't know wow. your music and so there, there's not as much even though there's so much so many avenues to get our things out there through social media mm-hmm. um focusing on it not everybody's on the cover of the magazine there's very yeah. few people who are but there's so many people who are doing quality yeah. things that need to be out there yeah, I agree. My feeling too is that you've already invested part of your life and emotion into this artist from back when whatever they did mattered to you. Aren't you more curious about hearing what that person you're already invested in is doing now than somebody that you don't know or are well, unfamiliar yes and with? no, yes and no, because you know, like I'm talking about Bowie, some of the Bowie yeah. records, I'm like, eh, you yeah. know, uh, there's there's a lot more artists now, but that that's why I think the why. It's important to because because if you're listening to to a radio station or Sirius XM, you're much more likely to engage with what's there because it's it's like being at Costco and they're handing you a sample of of some food. You're much more likely to try it than if it's sitting on the shelf. Mm-hmm. So I, as somebody who's been on the other end of that, I understand. Like I'm, I understand what it's like just to be totally glossed over. You get totally yeah. glossed over. Yeah. And you hear other stuff on the radio or you see other stuff out there and you're like, well, wait a minute. I'm, yeah. This would be nice if I could get my thing out there too. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm trying to to make sure other people get heard. And, Good. And, I'm glad. Uh, I am going to go get a COVID booster right now. Yeah. I was going to say, I think we're already out of time and I got through about half my cl- my questions. So I'm so sorry. I'm so okay. I talk a lot. Well, that you're so good at this. That's why you have a radio show. That's why you're a fun celebrity to chat with. Thank you, Lisa, for chatting with me. I've been wanting to do it for years, and I it was effortless. You're wonderful. Thank you for everything. So much fun. I appreciate it, and thank you for sticking with it. And I'm sorry it took a little extra It doesn't matter to me. I'm glad it happened. All right, there you have it. Lisa Loeb. Isn't she wonderful? I would just love to hang out with her. Because you know that she would just, you could go to dinner and you, she would just keep it going. You'd be sitting, you'd be the last people there at the table, just shooting the breeze about whatever. She's so fun. Anyway, speaking of fun, we're ta- now talking to Steve Smiley Bernard. Steve, or Smiley, has been a in-demand session drummer in the UK for like 30 years. Um, he started out playing in this band called the Mock Tutors, who were a much bigger deal in the UK than they ever were here in the States. But still did some great stuff. And then that led to, so I had to write all this down. He played with Joe Strummer in the Mescaleros for a while. He still drums with the Alarm. He's been in the Alarm for a while. 
He's in this band called Archive in the UK, which are kind of a like techno, drum and bass, sort of massive attack type sound over there. They are incredible. Um, they're not as big a deal over here, unfortunately, but they're really, really good. He also plays with, um, he tours with Tony Visconti on a Bowie tribute tour that you've probably seen the ads for. He's in that. He's also a producer. He's also a studio owner. He's also a solo artist. In fact, this is one of his songs right here, Rise Above. I love this. He played with Robbie Williams. He played with Lily Allen. He uh, wrote a book about it all called Clang. That's a riot. Anyway, I have been, people have been requesting Smiley for a long time because they just keep telling me what a great guy he is. And finally, our good friend, Lily El-Sayed, mutual friend, put me in contact and uh, we made it happen. He is seriously so, so nice. So I think you're gonna love this conversation. Um, and even if you don't know the bands he's talking about, he's so engaging you won't care because he's a blast. I just thought it'd be really fun to put these two people together in one episode because they're so delightful. He called me from, <laughs> I don't remember, somewhere in England, I'm sure, probably outside of London. I don't remember, I'm sorry. Okay, so anyway, let's see. First and foremost, I gotta give you a heads up. I just got your, we have a mutual friend. Uh, Lily El Said. Yeah, yeah, so, the lovely Lily. The lovely, the lovely Lily. Lily. She's been a very supportive listener of ours for years, and we correspond on social media. We finally met a few weeks ago. She was in town for a Gary Newman concert that oh, I yeah. went to, and so we met up after the concert. She's the she's so nice, but she told me to tell you hello, and um, she sent she's me. I hope this is okay. She sent me uh, a file of your book. And so, oh, oh, okay, yeah, 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 right, okay, yeah, yeah, that was what that was for, right, okay. Yes, yes. So I've been listening to your book, but I and I don't know what page I'm on, but I'm 39 minutes into it, and so okay. far, um, it's a lot. I'm I'm feeling with you on this because so far it's a lot about losing your hair, and as you can tell. <laughs> yeah, it's a good hire in the same boat. You know, it's amazing one. how many people are really. How many people, how many guys have said, yeah, man, I get that. I get that chapter. I get it. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a fact though. It's amazing. It is. You know, you get to the point where you embrace it. Right. And everybody yeah. knows that. And, every, and and we all get to the Jason stage and Bruce Willis stage where it's very uh -huh. cool. But getting to that stage is tricky, man. You it know, is. Like, it really know. is. So, it takes it's like a robbing lot. You of your, uh, it's like robbing you of your masculinity for a point. And then everybody Absolutely. points out that actually you're way cooler. You know, like, that's okay. it. That's it. Yeah. And some people yeah. pull it off where they look almost better with it. You never know if you're one of those people. And I was watching yeah. a clip of you performing with Joe Strummer, Tony Adams, which I've got lots right. of questions about this.
and it looked i don't know what it was on it looked a little bit like jules holland show but i don't think that's what yeah. it was anyway yeah. i can tell you're still holding on to some <laughs> you know and we've all been in those stages too yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to know that I feel you on this, brother. You and I are part of this fall <laughs> brotherhood, and it's unfortunate. Hey, listen, but we're cool. We're cool. We, Me, you, yeah. and Willis. We're good. That's right. <laughs> we're doing our best. Okay. Uh, speaking of Joe, I feel like that was one of the motivators to finally make this happen with you because you posted lovingly about being involved in the new box set that came out for the Mescaleros. Yeah. And I know that I think that was a relatively brief period in your career, like two, two and a half years. But it was, yeah, tell yeah. me about it. Well, the two, it was two years, but really, it's funny because I've kind of been a, I've kind of been a like a professional musician for like thirty years, right? Uh -huh. Uh huh. But but the weird thing is that that two years probably still rank as number one mm -hmm. in other people's interests. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. so I've done loads of stuff, and I've worked with loads of people. Strummer is still the one that people want to know about. I get more kudos for that. You know, I, I get the kind of, oh, wow, man, you, you know, you, you're yeah. in Joe's band kind of thing. So yeah. even after all this time, even though he's, you know, quite long gone and his, his legacy is incredible. Man. Mm -hmm. but I, and I did say recently, there aren't many legends, right? Mm -hmm. Actually, put your, put, your, put your money on it. Name me, name me ten legends. Now that's a big word, right? A legend. You've obviously got Lennon. You know, you've obviously yeah. got Elvis. You've obviously got probably Kurt Cobain. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Who aren't with us anymore? And Joe's in that list. And there are yeah. many. And I, you know, to to have been his drummer and got to know him as a friend, um, that's never going to go away. So yeah, yeah, I get it. I heard you. I read somewhere you. Uh, define or de describe that period as hedonistic and hardcore, and I wondered what you meant by that. Okay, so I was what was I? I was thirty years old, um, and it was the first time I was proper properly introduced to kind of a drug culture. Okay. Not drug, not Joe, by the way. Right, Joe, right. Joe, Joe, Joe was a typical. You know, he dipped in and he dipped out. Mm -hmm. He wasn't. He wasn't bigger. But the but the but the Mescaleros, mm -hmm. there was a very hedonistic. Um, I I remember being in Paris quite early doors, and you know there was a lot. You know the usual. You know cocaine and cannabis and blah blah blah. blah. I've never done it. But it's just my mm -hmm. choice. I've never mm -hmm. judged anybody, and I do remember being in a dressing room, and the tour manager talking to the agent saying what do we what do you need and he said oh i need like you know 10 grams of cocaine blah 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 you know mm -hmm. five bags of hash and and, uh, and two wraps of heroin and i laughed i just sat there and went <laughs> you're so funny <laughs> and then i went for a walk with a couple of the band and they were like smiley you do know he's serious right and i was like who's taking heroin they were like uh -huh. He is. Oh. Now, the guy who was, I'm talking about who was in the Mescaleros, and he's openly spoken about it, and again, <laughs> an amazing man, incredibly talented, very intelligent, right? as intelligent as anybody else. But he was like a, a, a functioning heroin addict. So his way of kind of integrating me into that was the next day was ringing me from his hotel room and saying, oh, come over, have a coffee. And I sat with him, and, and I sat with him, and he then did it. 
in front of me with the, with the foil and the and the, but right. carried on a conversation as if nothing was different. And I and and I had to get my head around that. You know, it was it was weird. Yeah, it was, it, yeah. And I had two years of that, man. You know, they 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 were they were pretty hardcore. I'll, so I'll, you know, I think. It- us regular folks that are outsiders kind of view or assume that that goes on in rock and roll a lot, but that particular period or chapter of your career was more so than others. Yeah. 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 I think so. The, the guy, the guys involved with it as well. And, and the scene that we were in. And I think, I think Strummer's got this like air about him of being really hardcore and out mm-hmm. there, but he wasn't, man. Totally. he was a big softy. He was just, yeah. a, you know, he was a big old papa bear really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I think of him as being I don't know if politically hardcore is the right way to do it, but he's fighting for things. You know what I mean? His music yeah. means something. It's not yeah. passive, but yeah. he but himself he, had, he was soft. He was he yes. was soft and sensitive. And um, I'll give you an example. I um, we were in we were in uh, south of France, I think, mm. for some unknown reason. I was, and I was we had a night off, and I walked into town to to meet a friend of mine, and I saw Joe on his own in a bar just on his own in the corner and I popped my head and I went, you're right. And he, and he was really sad and he was really tearful. He's really, he just said, Oh, I'm having, you know, I can't, I can't handle it at the moment. But, you know, I can't handle a couple of things that have gone on at home. I think with his wife or whatever. And he, he literally put his head on my shoulder like an, Oh, and, 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 and sobbed. Right? Oh. And I was like, wow. Oh, norm, normal man, normal yeah. guy with the pressures of everyday life. And it was amazing. And I was just like, dude, you know, j- j- wow. Should I get wow. us a couple of drinks? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And I went and got us a couple of drinks. We sat down. We just chatted like two, you know, and that was the thing. Wow. You know, this is what people struggle sometimes. He was a human being. He was a normal yeah. man. You know? Yeah. And I think when when they are held in such legendary status by so many, yeah. you know, I remember yeah. I remember being in America. And I remember being in LA and I remember we were playing somewhere really it was a good tour and, and I had, I was starting to appreciate the stature of this man. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, and I was walking into the venue and a guy, American, typical American, he went, Hey man, he was strong. All right. <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he got on his knees and he started bowing. Uh-huh. And I was like, what are you doing? He went, you were Joe strong, man. And, it, yeah. and I was like, Whoa, dude, dude, get up. Seriously. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I might be cool, but I'm not that cool. You know, like, <laughs> please don't bow to me. But it was like, you know, it, it, that, 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 you, you earn that status. There's a yeah. reason why you're, you know, there's, I've only met a few, yeah. you know, probably from a point of view of working with them. Joe and Mike Peters are probably the only two who I would put in the legends. Yeah. That group, you know? Yeah. And they earn, I, they earn. I, I, I'm going to ask you more about Mike in a little bit. I saw Joe live about six months before he died. You would have been gone oh, wow. by then, right? Yeah. You play on the first album. Do you play on all three albums or just the first? No, one? I played on the first album and then I did everything for two years, all the live stuff. And, okay. And then they, they changed direction a little bit. They, he wanted to go a little bit more folky. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it was kind of, got, you know, Anthony had gone by then, and, and the Mescaleros were kind of re, reforming a little bit. Okay. Uh, and and to be honest, it just it just wasn't, you know, I'd sure. I'd had an incredible couple of years. So yeah, yeah. There's usually a time to move, 
in, in music. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Uh, organically, organically. Yeah. And if you can do it organically, well, or or in Strummer's case, hey, dude, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to be using another cat. You know? <laughs> Is that what he said? <laughs> okay. Yeah. And it's been great. And yeah. Playing Brixton Tuesday, come down. You know, like, <laughs> went down and saw him and he was like, hey, give me a beer. You know? uh-huh. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm the guy who just sacked. But right. It wasn't for but it was it wasn't for him, he it wasn't sacking me, he was yeah changing the dynamic, you know. Right. So, right. You know, Did he um were you was he openly because I don't know that I feel like Joe's post clash career uh reflects a few different things. One, it reflects I've always believed he had a very strong uh love for exotic music, world music of all very kinds from, so. up, from other places. So. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think he believed, I saw, and I've always felt this, and then I think I saw a documentary on him that sort of confirmed this for me. He believed, I think, in the power of communication, transport, transporting communication through like radio waves or yeah, across, yeah, yeah. The, you know what I mean? He, that yeah. connection right. of like, I'm coming to you live from the radio, over the yeah. airwaves to Africa. And, but his music was never what you would have thought a former punk from the clash no. would do. And I wondered no. if he ever talked about the, his mission on his solo career with you, you know, like this is what I'm after. I'm chasing this world music vibe or, or did he ever say, I don't want to repeat myself. I don't want to sound like the clash. This is on purpose. Well, it was interesting. Cause the, cause the very funny, you said it, the very first day I met him, uh, was in a studio in London and I was, it was a bit of a toss-up because there was another guy doing the drums hmm. and he'd been offered Marianne Faithful. Oh. So it was like, oh, well, we better get another drummer. Who are we going to use? We'll give Smiley a ring. Smiley come along. Met Joe. Da, 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 da. We're in the studio. Everything's great. We're all kind of jamming around. And and the other guy rings back and says, oh, the Marianne Faithful tour has fallen, fallen through. Hmm. So they had to make a decision there and then about whether they were going to go off with me or stick with this same guy so as i walked out the door i kind of having spent the day with joe said mm-hmm. listen it's been brilliant man i've loved mm-hmm. what will be will be don't sweat it you know what i mean he was, and he just kind of smiled at me funny enough it fell into my lap but then the following day we were rehearsing and we were playing for his new manager okay mm-hmm. and his new manager turned up to hear the songs and so joe went through all these songs of rock, rock art and x-ray style and you know mm-hmm. and he kind of stood there and scratched his chin and he, he went quiet and he said uh can you do london calling and it was like the it was like the elephant in the room you know like yeah. he's trying to play him all this new stuff that was inspired by all this world music and can you do london calling so we did london calling and of course the roof blew off and he was like can you do Rudy that can't fight? And it just went on. Right? It was like the first few Mescalero shows, it was like primarily Mescalero stuff with like uh-huh. a handful of scattered, if you're lucky, we might do White Man and Hammersmith Ballet. Five yeah. shows in, man, it was half and half. And then yeah. 10 shows in, it was three quarters to a quarter, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, he was trying to get his, I think that the inspiration with all the world music was in his original material. But he was, he was intelligent enough to realise, well, if I'm going to sell out Brixton Academy, 97% of those people are there to hear my new stuff with a reward of, here's a few exactly clash right. songs, right? Exactly and he wasn't right. stupid. 
He yeah. was intelligent and he knew that. And I think, you know, everybody was. I remember when we, we supported The Who Ooh. and he was like, no, I'm not doing any Clash songs. We'll do Folk Riot. We'll do some folk songs. And we were going, oh, Joe, come on. Man. <laughs> no, I don't want, well, I'm going to do a, a folk version of this. And I'm going to do a stripped down version of this. Uh-huh. And we're like, it's career suicide. So just do, just do Rock the Casbah. <laughs> Go on then. Yeah. Oh, that's right. great. I miss yeah. Joe so much. Um, okay, you mentioned Mike. That's the other, another one of the big ones for you, the alarm. Yeah, I've had Mike on here. Um, I love him. I, as I said, I live in Denver, and so I'm sure I've seen you with him because I go to your concerts every time the alarm comes through. Right, yeah. You, you do look familiar, I've got to be honest. Yes. Well, I'm the six-foot-eight guy ta- kind of standing yeah, the back, so I I'm don't bother sure anybody. I'm sure we've, I'm sure we've high fived. We have, point. yes, we yeah. have. Um, yeah, there was the last one was with you and Modern English and yeah. uh, Gene Loves Jezebel. Gene Loves Jezebel, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, and then um, he came through another time with just the band, and he came through solo. And anyway, I, I love Mike. Um, how's he doing? Have you heard? He's good. Yeah, spoke to him today. Spoke to him today. Oh, good. Yeah, I know he had another health scare recently. He had another health scare, uh, but and then he had he was hospitalised for a few weeks, uh, which was quite scary. But he's good. He's out. He's they found out what the problem was. They found the right drugs, and he's just got a, a three or four month rehabilitation kind of time. And then we're kicking back in in January, really? and then hopefully coming to America next summer. That's the plan, Ooh, apparently. Good. So good. I'll see you then. All right, I'll good. see you at the bar. Yeah, I make sure I make sure to hit the alarm every time you come through town. That. That so the alarm and archive, which I'm afraid I don't know a lot about archive. Um, right, they're your main gigs, right? Plus your solo stuff. I mean, you've got three active jobs going on at right now. Uh, plus you're producing. Parts. So never mind. There's yeah. Four. Well, well <laughs> anyway. so, so yeah. So I own a studio, so I kind yes. of produce bands and artists in the studio, which is great. Um, and obviously, I drum. Archive and the Alarm are my two main acts. Um, But I also play for Gene Loves Jezebel now. Really? I also do Tony Visconti's Best of Bowie. Really? Which is an amazing night. So I've spent, I I toured with him earlier in the the year. I'm currently doing Steve Norman from Spandau Ballet. Yeah. Yeah, so that's. That's fun. All Is he touring fun. too? I think I've seen you post yeah. pictures of him. I didn't know you. Two yeah, were he's friends. doing some British dates at the moment, so I'm I'm kind of two shows into that. So, so that's great. So yeah, the the the, the, the secret to this game is to, to is is variety without a yeah. shadow of a doubt. You know. Yeah. Um, and uh, so yeah, I've got some uh, some nice things on the go. It's great. That's amazing. The Visconti Bowie thing is that the holy holy? Is that it was with, Dave, holy, with well, it, Dave Gregory yeah. or no? Yeah, 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 Glenn yeah Gregory. exactly that. Yeah, so he, so it was that, and uh, and then the tour they did in March, Woody Womanson wouldn't do it because he wasn't vaccinated That's against right. COVID. Mm-hmm. The whole tour was going to be off, and then Visconti turned around and said, "Just get me a drummer," mm-hmm. and I got the call. So I I met him for the first time in the first day of rehearsals. For so I learned all the Bowie songs. <laughs> just i spent a month man i was like <laughs> and the first time i met him he walked in he shook my hand he put his bass on and went right shall we <laughs> and i was like i was like kids man I was yes. like the most, 
I was like absolutely starstruck to bits. But he's lovely. He's a really yeah. nice man, an incredible storyteller, great. Just intelligent, you know. I I, I yeah. interrogated him for about three weeks. I bet right you did. Mm. I bet you did. What's your favorite Bowie song to play? I enjoyed the challenging ones. I I enjoyed Space Oddity, mm. and I enjoyed Life on Mars and and mm. stuff like that, which were really quite ethereal and really the drums are so far back you think well how so i was gonna, gonna say neither of those songs are seem drum heavy to me but there are drums in them so yeah so what so you're playing them live but what you're also doing is you're holding the band together so you've got to have a an air of authority but yeah. you are like space oddity is an incredible piece and, yeah. and you you know but but you are holding them together. So that was a fantastic challenge. And I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. So is that going to, that's happening still? It's not Holy Holy with yep. Glenn Gregory anymore, or it is? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Is. So it's called, it's now called, I think they dropped the Holy Holy name. It's now called Tony Visconti's Best of Bowie. Okay. Um, and I believe it's going to go out again next year. Who knows? I've okay. heard rumors. But, um, he sent me a couple of messages recently saying I might have something for you, and as you do, Tony Visconti is on the line. Hang I was on. just going to say, can you believe your? Every time you say this, I want to go clang, like in your book. <laughs> well, there you go. That's the whole point of the book, man. Because it, yeah. I don't. The whole point of clang, my book, what wasn't the fact that it was name dropping. It was a a bit of a kind of kid in the sweet shop saying it kind of Ooh, you know like oh yeah. my god i've met so i'm not rather than going oh god i'm so cool i've met Tony uh -huh. it was like oh my god i'm the same as you and lily and everyone else yes. and i've met these people but i just happen to be the other side of that line you know it's uh -huh. it, it's, it's amazing man you know I'm, I'm it keeps my feet well and truly on the ground no trust me. kidding no kidding yeah, yeah. um okay i also well Let's talk about, I want to talk about your solo stuff. For me. I got a whole list here, by the way, Smiley, of people I want to ask you about. But you mentioned, I've been listening a lot to your 2021 album. What? I love it. I, especially, I think Another Day is maybe my favorite song. Oh, right. Well, it's easy to fall down on another Pick yourself up off the ground on another day. Is it time to look around for another way on another day? If love is the answer, what is the Like another yeah. day a lot, yeah. and the thing that I was thinking about: number one, um, 
it feel maybe I'm wrong. You tell me that the trajectory of these six albums of yours, what started out as you inviting a bunch of friends in to collaborate with yeah. has become really more of like a solo project for you. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a confidence thing. Um, cause I can kind of play everything to a point and then I kind of get to the point where I know a lot of great musicians. So if I, you know, I can play a guitar or a bass or a piano or whatever to a point where I know these great musicians. So then I get them to yeah. take it to another point. The t- the turning point was the singing, really, because yes. I to to I think I think I was just giving it away with from a confidence point of view, and then a couple of people just said, "Look, you write these songs for you. Why are you giving them to other people? You write them in a certain style." And, and I was like, "Oh yeah, okay." So I've just finished another one. Actually, my my I new wonder. album was finished yesterday. It's called Puzzled. Ooh. Uh, and it's going to be available from January the 1st. And okay. it's very good. It's very good. It's coming out on vinyl this time. Never done oh, vinyl. Very nice. Okay. You will have a copy, my friend. Right. I will send well, you Well, thank you very much. I, uh, I, I don't... Do you collect vinyl? I still collect CDs. Well, I, I, I found over the last kind of seven, eight years, CDs have gone very out of fashion with I know. people. And I people know. saying, well, I've got nowhere to play them. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say I was a vinyl collector, but I tell you what I do do. If I ever play on people's albums, my only request is, can I get a copy of the vinyl as a souvenir? So I've got mm-hmm. quite a big stack of... Of course you do. That I've played on. I don't play yes. them. I've just, they're, they're just sitting in the corner of the studio, really. Yeah. But yeah. The nice, it's a nice... Um, That's great. Keepsake. I've never done it. I've never done vinyl, but this time around, I thought... I want to do something different. Don't yeah. really want to go down the CD route. So I thought, well, well, everyone else is collecting vinyl. That's the way to go now. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you'll get one. Ooh, thank you. Bless you. I really love it. I honestly do. Um, and the, I've been listening to 2021, especially um, just over and over. And I just keep thinking, man, he's good at this. And and not, <laughs> I, and I don't, I don't, I hope that doesn't sound like, um, I don't know. I, I just, I, when I listen to your output, it doesn't sound like a guy who wasn't made to be the front man. It sounds very natural, which I think do, do you know, it supports what you just said, though. Well, do you, do you know what it is? I, I got to a point where I realized that I'd sat behind three or four of the greatest front men of all time. Yeah. Being Strummer, being Mike Beam, Robbie Williams. Yep. Uh, who, yep. Love him or loathe him. He's a fantastic front he's man. next on my list, list to ask you about. Glenn, Glenn Gregory is an amazing front man, you know. And so you, you learn. You learn their ways. You learn. And, and, and obviously, every time you go in a studio to, to record, you can either go in and do the drums and leave, or you can sit and you can watch the process. And mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, melody man i love songs i love i love my dad brought me up on john denver and glenn campbell and people like that so melodies are in my head so so i i can i can write hooks mm-hmm. and um and so my, my dad's got a lot to to, to 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 say for that because he was the one who kind of steered me when i was a teenager and just you know the the typical kid drummer you know uh-huh. hey but the, the boy can play drums my dad was like son you need to learn to play guitar and piano and sing and i was like why he would like, trust me and he was right because mm. from that obviously i learned from all these other incredible musicians and then i could take their inspiration and put it into songs and melodies mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of works you know i, yeah. I kind of plucked from the best as it were you know you did 
Speaking of which, I want to ask you specifically about a couple of your collaborations. On one of your older albums, Ian McNabb comes on and he sings No One Counts for Money. love ian ian was on here oh, last it. year and he's really? one of my favorite interviewees ever because he's just such a funny down-to-earth you know self-effacing guy and he's been struggling because his mom died after yeah. after our interview and everything but i just love that man and i'm curious did you know him beforehand did you toured with him what's your relationship with ian i was well, well number one i was a fan mm -hmm. right a fan and then number two he came to an alarm show to support mm. us acoustically. Mm. So I messaged him anyway to just kind of say, hey, Ian, smiley. And, and he was like, hey, man, I know you are. And yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So yeah. We, we hooked up. We went for a couple of beers and we had a chat. He's, he's the greatest guy on earth. Mm -hmm. I love him. And then he, he, he supported the alarm. He was brilliant. And mm -hmm. then we were on and he was stood at the side of the stage, right? Mm -hmm. So I was walking towards the stage, and he went, hey. And I went, right, I'll see you in two hours. I'm just going to go and do my Icicle Works audition, <laughs> right? Which he thought was hilarious, right? So as we walked off, he was standing there, and he just went, you got the job, you know. <laughs> he said, you remind me of Max Weinberg, you know. Springsteen, I was like, I'll take that, you know. Yeah. And we, did, we just became really good friends. I played on one of his albums, um, uh, Futures in Space, which is a brilliant That's album. One of, I have it. I love that. He's a yep. fabulous, and he's, he's, the, he's the most underrated English singer-songwriter. He should be, if Agreed. he kept his gob shut for, for, for two years, for, for 20 years and not, <laughs> but that's what we he's love about him bigger. i know but that's what we love about ian is that he but tells that is it like it is yes. I, I spoke to him when did i speak to him i spoke to him a couple of days ago actually and he's really he's okay he, and you're right he's struggling he's, yeah. he really is struggling with the death of his mother and and but it's it's such a beautiful loss for him in a way you know he's he's coming to terms with it and and you think he's just a strong and cocky Scouts, right. it's not the sensitive, no. vulnerable, beautiful human being, yeah, who's got possibly the greatest voice and, yeah. and he's a brilliant songwriter. So, no, I've got nothing but love for Good. him. And I love it. I do too. I do too. Yeah. Um, I okay, let's talk about Robbie Williams. I, as you know, being an American, they tried to make us, you know, love Robbie and it didn't really take. 
And no. uh, I did like a couple of those songs, Millennium and um, No Regrets. Do you play on either of those songs? I'm played on the on the on the originals, yeah. The original demos, not what we had yeah. heard on the radio. So yeah. yeah, it just didn't work. And um, and he his persona, as you know, is such to kind of seem like he's really cocky and arrogant and funny mm. and dashing and all these things. And for whatever reason, that just didn't jive with America. However, I don't yeah, go. On. I was going to tell you, I've had a couple people on here who work with him and love him. Uh, Neil, yeah. Neil Taylor, the guitarist, yep. was on here yep. uh, years Great ago. Guy, Neil. Yep. I, in fact, I interviewed Neil the morning that I we hung up the phone and it, it was announced that Prince died. And oh, uh, wow. I'll never forget that. And then last year, Tessa Niles was on. Oh, wow. And you she's just Tessa Niles. Oh, yeah. She's, she's just about she's the got nicest. Stories. She does. Wow. She was wonderful. And she's just about the nicest lady in the world. Yeah, she's amazing, man. And she's she wrote amazing. A book called backtrack i want to say I'm yes i know do you know what that's on my list of books that i must it's fantastic look, hang on hang on look, just to prove a point it is called backtrack isn't it i'm gonna order that <laughs> he's, tomorrow he's pulling out a list and he just wrote it down and it's great i usually write on my hand but i wrote on a piece like yeah she's no, literally she's the nicest lady in the world and she yeah. had nothing but wonderful things to say about robbie and how funny yeah. he was to work with how yeah. generous he was i didn't know yeah. this but i guess at the end of a tour the main person, whoever you're, whoever you're touring with, sort of gives out gifts of like, thanks for a tour. Here's an extra, however much money or whatever. And his gift was like the most generous gift that she had ever received. Oh, and really? Just, yeah, something like that. And I just thought, I think we've been wrong about Robbie. So you tell me what it's like working with Robbie. Well, working with him over here, I I work with him. Just before the mega stardom, okay. he was a superstar, and I had I had a good year and a half with him. We became very good friends. He went through rehab in that time, and I became his his angel, as it were. So lots of backgammon, lots of water, lots mm -hmm. of just the two of us in hotel rooms, mm -hmm. no parties. Mm -hmm. Became very good friends, and I and I and I, I I loved him, and I still love him very much. Incredibly talented bloke, but what I think was. Is 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 cheeky chappy persona in the UK? Everybody fell for, but they didn't fall for it in America. No, if I think if they they if they did it again, they would they would try it without that and just let the songs yeah. talk for themselves, right? Because he's got an incredible songbook and he's a very very talented um, writer um, and performer. But some people just don't 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 click with certain genres, and he's. You know, yeah 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 i thought that too you're right i mean we we took we adapted to sam smith and uh harry styles obviously and adele yeah. and, and if i think robbie could have been somewhere in between harry and yes. sam and yes. um but we did we it was the timing we were we weren't picking up on it we didn't do it no. um no. okay i want to throw out some more of your collaborations as i understand them some of these might have really great stories some may not um did you work or play with Massive Attack? I didn't play with them. I supported them a couple of times. Oh, oh, like what? Like open for them or what? Yeah, we archive did a few shows with them. Oh, okay. Um, archive are okay. a band you need to check out. You need it's archive are like a British kind of. Oh wow, they are very Massive Attack. Yeah, esque. 
They've been going 25 years. They are like they are like Narnia archive. Really, you go and open the doors, and I speak to you in three weeks' time. You'll say archive changed my life because I went back in, and they are just the most incredibly. They are so out there. They're like a modern day Pink Floyd's meets Massive Attack meets Pink uh, Radiohead. Yes, they're just off the planet, and they are. Because I think because they haven't been saddled with hit records, they've steadily stayed. Like so, we we mm-hmm. we we do festivals in Europe where we'll co-headline with Massive Attack, oh. and people like that, you know. And they're a brilliant band; they are really brilliant. But yeah, the Massive Attack connection, we played with them a couple of times. I think we were on the same bill. Okay, and, and the similarities with our yes. guys were amazing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So again, and getting ready to talk to you a lot, so much of what we've talked about and what I have on the list, I knew about, I've seen your name for years and paid attention, but archive, as you know, aren't really a thing over here. So I, to get ready, there's so much, I mean, you just pull up archive on Spotify and there's hundreds and hundreds of songs. Lily recommended crowd control, control, yes, crowds, crowd, controlling crowds, controlling crowds. That's so I've been listening to that record. one. I yeah. loved that. Touch me like I'm an ordinary man Have a look in my eyes Underneath my skin there is a violence It's got a gun in its hands Ready to make, ready to make, ready to make sense of anyone, anything, anyone, anything, anyone, anything, anyone, anything, anyone, anything Black holes living in the side of your face Razor wire spinning around your Love it. And I I mentioned Massive Attack because they're one of my favorite bands of all time. So you're right in line with what I like. Well, if you, uh, Archive's new album is called uh, Call to Arms and Angels. Mm -hmm. Go and check that out. Okay. I listened to a song or two on that and it was great. Go go and run yourself a bath (laughs) or whatever. Get a glass of wine, turn the lights off, and you'll have the best hour and a half of your life. Okay. Lots of yes. candles, you know. Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, they, they're not a thing over here, so I'm not as familiar with them. But everything I was listening to so far, I like it. I, I wanted to bring up one more of your songs, actually. Uh, control the Guns. Gun control is probably the political issue that I feel strongest about. Yeah. I don't, for the life of me, think anyone actually needs a gun. And, it, and if we're going to pretend like we do, at least make it a sensible one. No, None of this, you know, AR-15s or whatever. And as you know, America has a gigantic gun problem and it drives me crazy. There's massive school shoot. There was a, I saw something a couple days ago, a shooting at a football game, a high school football game, and everyone had to leave and it's constant. And you wrote a song and, and sing a song about this. I'm guessing yeah. you and I feel similarly. Yeah, very much so. At the end of the day, a gun's a gun, right? It's got yeah. one purpose, right? And, yeah. and, and a gun, it doesn't deterrent, it doesn't it, it it kills people right now 
if, if you took all the guns out of the world, it, the world would be a better place. You know, mm -hmm. there are other ways of protecting your loved ones and, and your properties and stuff like that. You don't need a firearm, which if you point it at somebody and shoot at them, you're going to kill them, you know? And it's, and it's just, it's, and it's, and it attracts the, 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 the real low life of, 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 of social standing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you and I could talk about that for donkey's years, but no, it's, it's, I, I wrote a song. It was, I think at the, at the time, I think there was something very prevalent about it. Mm -hmm. in the news about somebody who had just gone out and yeah. i remember going to the states and, and and walking around the mall and there was a gun shop right and i was like this can't be real is this like some sort of paintball thing walks in mm -hmm. and the guy he was like hey buddy i was like mm -hmm. what are these are these real guns he's like you sure what do you want i was like well, what about that one he went yeah sure 50 bucks so i was like you're gonna sell me a gun no way like, yeah you know and i was like this is this is horrendous so I don't think you'll ever stop it. I think no. it's one of life's, I think. But the trouble is, it's got so out of hand. And if you think of the, the ratio of there's uh, how many billions of people on earth, and you do the ratio to the crazy people, yeah. it's point, point, naught, 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 one. Mm -hmm. But that one yeah. will cause carnage. And it's just, it's uh, yeah, it was a nice, it was a, it was a, for me at the time, it was a great, it was, it was very like, uh, a big deal, yeah. especially it very. It is very much an American. It very is thing. The as video well. to it, your song, it's almost all American news yeah. clippings and, that, and stories. I didn't, and I didn't mean that. That's not detrimental to America. It's just seemed it's that, true. that we deserve it. America, um, America is such an amazing. I, I, I said the other day, and you'll love this quote. I said, having toured America for the last ten years, right? I've never met an American I don't like. Really, ever. Ever, wow. not one, not one yeah. single American who I've met has not been, whether it be a waitress or a, or a, or a yeah. someone who's come to a show. Or I, I, I think Americans are wonderful, wonderful human beings. You've got a fantastic outlook on life. You're blissfully intelligent, but I think you get tarnished by the minority mm -hmm. who who can blacken a, a tapestry. Yeah. Of, of a nation and it, and it's wrong yeah. it's you know yeah you, you know it trump's is. obviously the the most obvious one of that lot, where we I all know. stood over here and went what what uh, is your <laughs> eyes just got really big believe me many of us are sitting here still thinking the same thing how did we get here yeah. it's uh it's horrible and the first line of your song i wrote it down uh it seems to be this beauty all around is not for everyone and oh. i just think that's really it is at its basic uh, most basic, like what the, the beauty of the world, the beauty of our country, the beauty of being alive, the beauty of your family, mm. that's not enough for you. You got to have guns yeah. and ruin yeah. it and kill people and take it from people. We have more yeah. guns than people in our country right now. Isn't that crazy? It's just a ticking time bomb as well. And that's the, that's yeah. the, really, yeah, there, there's so much in life to be grateful for. Right. And yes. I think people are just so swayed by negativity over. We're having a terrible time over here at the moment with politics and, mm -hmm. and, and just, just being governed by wrong people in the wrong yeah. job. And it's just so depressing in so many ways. But the thing is, it's go back to basics, go back to the fact that you're, you and I are alive. We're healthy. We're happy. Mm -hmm. We have this incredible world around us of beauty why why would you want to cause pain to other people i, I, I don't no. get it I, I, whether it's a whether it's a 
something in someone's makeup or whatever it is. But I just think it's so genuinely sad. Yeah. And you don't know how long you've got. And it's there's so much good in the world. And, yeah. I, and you know, as someone said to me a few years ago, get rid of all the negativity in your life and just focus on the positives. And that's yeah. what keeps you looking in the right direction. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Um, okay. I want to throw out a few more people here. Are you good? You, you good yeah, with this? Man. Okay, good. Yeah, I've, um, got, I've got this. I've got this much left. <laughs> <laughs> He's holding up his glass up wide. Um, okay, we should talk about the mock turtles. Talk about uh, you know artists that aren't so big of a thing over here in the U.S. I've I've heard of them. I know. Can you dig it? you play on that song i played on the second but i i i it's a good story actually i that was very early in my career i was yeah. i was a job in job in player playing in bars and and that song was on the radio and i was driving a car van or something for a job and playing in bars at night i love that song and it used to come on the radio every half an hour and i used to say to people this is the best pop song ever written it's so good and, uh, and one night I went to play in a bar, just a blues band I'd never met. I was just playing along and blah, 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 blah. And I went into the bathroom at half time, and the guy said to me, oh, you're, you're impressing some quite important people. I said, mm. really? Who's that then? And they went, oh, a band called the Mock Turtles. I was like, I said, I saw them last night on top of the box. Yeah. He said, well, come and meet them. And I went and met them, and, and they were fantastic people. And they were like, well, look, you know, we're looking to change drummers you'd be the man. And I was like, well, I'd love that. And it took a year politically mm -hmm. for me to, sure. but they are, they were, they're such a great band. They were, they, they're one of the undiscovered. They were very much in the Ian McNabb bracket yes. of should have been, could have yeah. been, you know, we should be yeah. talking about them up there, but yeah. no, and they're still very close friends as well. So Good. Yeah, there's, Good. there's a history of that. I, you know. yes. Um, I love what I heard. I, I wanted to, mention so we have some patreon supporters and i always tell them who i'm talking to and they can submit questions if they want to one of our diehard listeners bless him is philip hopwood and he had some uh he had a couple questions for you actually well 
one of them is is does is Robbie Williams' ego as big as it seems? And I think you sort of touched on this that no, it's not like that. No, Rob, Rob, Robbie's Rob, Robbie's Robbie is two people. Robbie is a character, and Robbie's a real person. Yeah, and the Robbie Williams character, he's had to play for many years, a little bit like David Bowie, really. Mm -hmm. um, Robbie as a person is a very, very sensitive, mm -hmm. shy, very, very sweet man. He's a, he's a darling. But you see him on a stage mm -hmm. and he's outrageous, but it's a character, man. It's mm -hmm. a character. So um, he's lovely. He's lovely. Good. He also wondered um, what... So we try to cover the business side of things on here very sensitively. And I was curious about this too. What project you've worked on would you say has been maybe your most financially rewarding or your most successful? Like what song, what's the biggest song that we know that you've played on that we may have heard on the radio? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I, I'm kind of a bit of a bridesmaid when it comes to playing on hit records. <laughs> so I've played on the, B-side of some of the uh -huh. biggest songs ever. Right? Okay. And I've been in bands who have had right. amazingly big hits just before I joined. Quite, uh -huh. quite continuously across my, my career. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm on the B-side of Angels, for instance, right? okay. which is one of okay. the biggest songs of all time. But I'm not on the A-side because the drums mm -hmm. were already done. You know, I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm on... I'm on a track on rock art and X-ray style, because, but the drums were already done, so I'm on one track. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um, I think I think I've played. I worked it out the other day. Someone asked, but I think I've played on over a thousand songs oh, recorded, man. but wow. probably nothing that you know you you've got in your like okay. it's been on the radio particularly massively. But, uh, uh -huh. You know, it's scattered. I you know certain archive songs in Russia and Poland and France. Okay. You know, <laughs> they, they pay the mortgage occasionally, but um, you know. I was going to say, does, doesn't archive have a, I listened to it to get ready, a big song called fuck you, F you. There's a look on your face. I would like to knock out, see the sin in your grin and the shape of your mouth. All I want is to see you in terrible pain Though we won't ever meet, I remember your name Can't believe you were once just like anyone else Then you grew and became like the devil himself Pray to God I think of a nice thing to say But I don't think I can, so fuck you anyway You are scum, you are scum cracks in your smile are beginning to show now the world needs to see that it's time you should go there's no light in your eyes and your brain is too slow can't believe you were once just like anyone else then you grew and became like the devil himself pray to god i can think of a nice thing to Are you on that? Yeah. Or is that all drum machines? That's another thing, no, too. When I listen to Archive, I'm not exactly sure if I'm listening to samples or machines or if I'm listening to you. 
I'm pretty I'm pretty much on every song. Okay. Whether it be with a drum machine as well. But okay. yeah, I'm pretty much on. So I played okay. on about two hundred songs for archive. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Um, okay, I'm gonna just quickly throw some names at you. Uh, these are people that you've listed or in a, that you played with or I saw in an article or something somewhere that I want to throw out at you. Um, Squeeze. Yeah, Squeeze, great. I, um, I, 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 well, I'll say I auditioned. Glenn, Glenn Tilbrook oh. rang me up. Uh-huh. He's Tilbrook been on here too, up. by the way. I love him too. Yeah, he's a lovely man. And I'd met Chris Difford at a Robbie Williams gig that I was playing at. And I didn't know it was him. And I oh. I sat in the dressing room with Robbie's manager and this chap. And we chat, 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 chat. And he left and I said, he's nice. And he, and, <laughs> and Rob's manager went, you've got absolutely no idea who that is. I said, no. He went, that's Chris Difford. I said, no way. Anyway, three days later, Difford phoned me. He went, um, do, you, do you want to come and like, you know, try out for Squeeze? I said, I'd love to. So I went to Glenn Tilbrook's studio Recorded a couple of things. He was great. He's he's live wire, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, he called me. This is a true story, by the way. He called me on a Saturday morning, and he went, "Smiley, it's Glenn. Right, here's the deal. Difford wants you, and I want Ash Stone to play drums. So I'm going to toss a coin now. What do you want, heads or tails? And I said, uh, tails. And he went, <laughs> oh, it's heads. All right, see ya. <laughs> that was it. That was it. There you go. I lost. I lost squeeze on the top of the coin. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's a true story, man. Uh, wow. Oh wow. I love it. Um, okay, Lily Allen. What about her? Lily Allen. I played on a track for Lily Allen called uh, "Gay Gay Icon." I think it was hmm. very early. She was a Keith Allen, her dad. Uh-huh. Yep. Famous actor was a big mate of Strummers. So when we were touring, Lily was about 15, I think. And so Keith would bring Lily. And then when we played Wembley, supporting The Who, Joe brought Lily on, mm. you know, and, and she was just a kid. Mm-hmm. Gay icon, that's the song. And, yeah, uh, and, yeah and, uh, and then I got a call to say, I think it was from Keith, actually, saying, will you come and play drums on one of Lily's songs? And then she rocketed. She, she went really big. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she's Gosh. she's cool. Yeah, she's cool. I man. love I love her stuff. Her yeah. mix, the 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 music and her sense of humor, and I love all of it. She's great. Um, yeah, she's great. Somewhere along the line, I think you toured with Republica. <laughs> yes, I did. well, I did a couple of shows with them, and oh. then I had this incredible what I what I, what I describe as the worst day ever. Oh. Where, yeah, so I was I I was in Belgium with oh. Archive, and they had a festival the next day in Hungary. Okay, okay. so the plan was I fly to Romania, they fly from London to Romania. I fly from Belgium. We hook up and we fly to Hungary. Mm-hmm. So I stayed in. Brussels. I got a cab to the airport. I flew to uh, to Romania, and I sat and I waited in the arrivals, ready for Republic to come in. And I waited and I waited and I waited. And then the tour manager called me. He said, "Where are you?" I said, "I'm in I'm in arrivals." And he said, "Well, we're on the plane." I said, 
which plane? And he went, the plane to Hungary. I said, but I'm in arrivals. He went, well, which arrivals are you? I said, well, the main one. He went, there's two. Oh. Oh. So I, so I ran across Romania's airport as the gate shut. Oh. And then tried every way to find a way to Hungary. And there was no way by car. There was no way by train. So they had to do a festival to 50,000 people without a drummer. Oh, they, no. to this day, hate me. Hate <laughs> me. And, and I, I said, I was just following instructions. So, yeah. Yes. It's, yeah, it was. Uh, and then I, so I got a flight home and uh, in the evening. So I had to stay in, stay in Romania all day. I got a flight home. And, I, and it would only fly back to Luton Airport, which is about three hours from my house. My wife had to come and get me on a Saturday oh, night. Oh, that's it's just, the worst. It's just of, and the hilarious thing was the archive boys were on their way home on the tour bus from Brussels. And they and we kept the, the conversation going. And they thought it was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> and, I, and I kept them informed. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And it was just, oh. yeah, it's, so I put it, it's in the book, the worst day ever. <laughs> okay, okay. Ever. I'll get to that point. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Um, that's great. I, now, Noel Redding from Jimi Hendrix yeah. Experience. You play on an this album. This is a great too. story. Okay, let's this hear it. This is a great story. Now, you will love this story. Okay. So a mate of mine, um, a producer, he moved to Ireland. And uh, so he called me and he said, uh, I've got a couple of sessions for you. If you come over, I said, yeah, who we got? And he said, well, Roy Harper, the famous folk you know, mm-hmm. very big friend of Led Zeppelin. I want yep. you to come and play on Roy's album. So I went and played on Roy's album. Roy, amazing. Just yes. incredible man. Yeah. And so then the guy said, right, tomorrow we're doing Noel Redden. I said, oh, fantastic. Noel Redden, you know. So anyway, went in, played a track, and then went and did a show with Noel. It was a couple of years before he died. He was, And he was a bit of an old man by that point. Yeah. He was great. And I was playing drums, and it was Noel Redden. It was brilliant. Anyway. About five years later, I bumped into this producer in, in, in England and he said, uh, he said, uh, did I tell you the story about the track? I said, no. He said, well, we found the original guitar part of Noel's track that you're on. I said, all right. And he went, by Jimi Hendrix. And I said, what? right. He said, so we put that guitar on the track with Ian Anderson from Jeff Tull. What? And I said, so I'm on a track with Jimi Hendrix, Noel Redding, and Ian Anderson. He said, yeah. And I went, have you got it? He went, no. <laughs> I've never heard it. I've never oh, really? It. Does it exist? It. Is it out there but somewhere? Technically, I was in the Jimi Hendrix experience. Oh, my gosh. And that's a wow. true story, but I've never heard the track. He said, oh, I don't know what it's it called you. or anything like that. I don't I know what it's called. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> And he's oh. he's teased me a couple of times. He's like, and he's messaged me. He's gone, oh, I really must send you that track. <laughs> and he's uh, yeah. It to me. Yeah, send it to me. Come on. Yeah, oh that'd be really gosh. nice. Yeah. Oh my god. So yeah. So okay. There you go. Wow. Okay, just a couple more. Hard Fi. What did you do with yeah. Hard Fi? They're great. Uh, well, we, I have their first two albums. Maybe that's all they have, but I love them. They did three. Um, okay. So I was a big fan, and then a mutual friend introduced me to Richard Archer. Uh, who's a lovely, lovely, again, a superb musician. So he put, and Hard Fire weren't doing anything at this point, so he put together a, a band called Offworld. And over the yeah, period of a couple of years, we recorded an album 
brilliant record, which has never come out yet. Um, so Richard and I are really good friends. He's actually put Hard Fire back together. But he said to me about two years ago, he said, oh, I've got some Hard Fire songs. Will you drum on them? I said, yeah. So played on two or three of these tracks. But then he got the original lineup back together. So they just played some London shows. It's all going really well. But he, I think the idea is to bring Hard Fire back for a couple of years and then when it naturally dies, he'll he'll bring back Offworld. Okay. So uh, it's one to look forward to. It's a brilliant, okay. brilliant record. So, okay, yeah. good, good. Last one. There's something to do with Bad Company, which I think is interesting because yep. they already have Simon Kirk. So what did you do? Uh, I did a, a, a spin-off of it with Mick Ralph's uh, oh. the original right yeah. and uh it, so they were touring and then Simon Kirk didn't want to do it and then um what's his name Paul oh, Rogers Paul Rogers didn't want to do it so Mick Ralphs did it with a guy called Robert Hart who plays for Man for Man surf mm. bands uh and a couple of other guys and yeah I toured with it which was amazing because like I was there and and Mick Ralphs was there and we were doing like feel like making love yeah and he wrote it he wrote it oh and he said and he just said to me like by the way the chorus slows down i said what he went when you get to the chorus it slows down just like winks at me so you're kind of doing the, the feel uh-huh. like making da, 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 da. and he does it slows down yeah and he and i thought wow what the fact he told me as well it was amazing <laughs> so yeah, I did a tour of British wow. tour with them. It's great. Yeah, it's really so cool. is this like Mick Ralph's does the songs of Bad Company or something yeah, like that? Yeah, basically. Just, okay. they, it went out as uh, they went out as Big Bad Company, but it was really mixed. Yeah, yeah. You know, you wow. know, what it's like with these with sure. these mega bands. If you've got an original member, they can kind of do what they want, really. Can't yeah, they? of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, is there? My last question is: What's your favorite memory? I mean, maybe we, maybe you've already told it, or maybe it's in the book, and I'll, I'll get there in a minute. But like, what's just one of the stories we've touched on a whole bunch of them? Is there something left on the table where you're just like, you would never believe what happened to me? <laughs> well, as a let me talk as a drama. Okay. So as a drama, I think the moment for me was we we with Strummer back in 2000. We did a thing called the Big Day Out in Australia, which was mm-hmm. um, it was like a traveling festival, which went across Australia, but you kind of had four days off between the festivals. It went for about a month. Amazing. Okay. And the bands on that festival were the Chili Peppers, Foo Fighters, Blink-182, Primal Scream, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. So we did a couple of the big cities. And then when we got to Sydney, we played a club, a club called the Sydney Metro. And as I was about to go on stage, got my shirt on, a guy popped his head and went, Hey, Smiley, guess what? Guess who's in the audience? I said, who? And he went, Chad Smith, Dave Grohl, Taylor Hawkins, oh. Travis Barker are in the front row. Oh! <laughs> and I walked on and I played with Strummer and it was an amazing show, knowing these drummers yeah. were there. And as we walked off for the encore, Chad Smith was standing at the side of the stage and he just wrapped his arms around me. Yes! And I was like, this is cool. And then the next morning, I was, I went on the roof of this, the hotel in Sydney yeah. on my own. No one was around. Sat by the pool. And Dave Grohl came out and sat next to me. And I was like, 
Hey, man. He was like, hey, hey, great show last night. I was like, thanks, man. Thanks. Like How are you? And it, like, hey, fellow drummer. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Dave Grohl, my hero. Yeah. We're in the <laughs> same like, fraternity yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. And Dave Grohl saying, I really enjoyed your show last night. I'm like, thanks, Dave. Amazing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my yeah, yeah. gosh. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, Smiley, uh, I love you a lot. If you can't tell, I'm so grateful for all you've done in the world. And uh, thanks for chatting with me. It really meant a lot. I've had so I've been so interested in you and your story for so long. And everyone who requests you tells me what a great person you are. And they were all oh. right. And so thank you oh, for being that, you. That, that's really lovely. All right, there you have it. Smiley Bernard, seriously, just the best. If I were, I would love, like if I were in the alarm, or Joe Strummer, but mostly The Alarm, I would just think we've got the best drummer in our band because he's a lot of fun to hang out with. You know, he's a great drummer and he's a good hang. And if you haven't learned anything over the years in this podcast, the good hang part is almost more important than the good drummer part. Because that's what a lot of the session guys say when they come on here, you know? Wouldn't you love to go on tour with Smiley of all people? Anyway, I love it. Um, I want to close it out with a song off that latest archive album that he mentioned. This is called Fear, There, and Everywhere. And be on the lookout for more of his solo stuff. It is so, so, so good. All right? Now, next week, we're going punk. We're talking to a punk rock icon is probably... Well, I try not to throw that word around. But he is an icon, and he's an icon for a specific reason. And, uh, yeah, if you liked punk rock in the 70s, um, you're going to want to come back because that's who we're talking to next week. All right. Huge thanks, as always, to Yan the Man Makevich, my right-hand man for everything. Thank you, buddy, for doing this with me. You guys, you can like our page on Facebook. You can send us a message on there. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. Um, I do have a deep dive in the can. Um, I don't know whether we'll get it out over the holidays or not. Things get busy, as you know. Yan's been especially busy lately. I hope everyone listened to the most recent book club. If you haven't, do it because it's a it's amazing. We're talking to Joel Selvin about this book, oral history book he put together in the 90s on uh, Sly and the Family Stone. Uh, incredible, incredible stories. You're going to love it. All right? Thanks, everybody. We love you. <laughs>